Amen. Before we jump right into a new message and a new series, we'll celebrate what God has done in my life personally. Like almost a year ago, this is crazy, God's timing, almost a year ago to the day I lost all my hearing in, in my right ear, went from 100% to nothing, and we don't know why, but you, me, we've all been praying as a church, God would restore it, and God's going to do this, and God's going to do that. And I'm telling you right now, I'm hearing out of the right side of my head for the first time in a year. So we got to give, he's, God is so good. And I, I, I'll also say it sounds weird. It's going to take time to understand the way I'm supposed to. Uh, people keep asking, what does it sound like? And my best description to you would be, when you talk to me, and I'm hearing out of my right side, you sound like, um, picture this, like, like Mickey Mouse after he smoked Marlboros for 40 years. That's what it sounds like, okay? So, it's a little weird, and actually it's really weird up here, uh, like hearing myself, so I'm taking it off, but uh, God is so good, and it's so amazing, and I just thank you for your prayers. The reality is, today we do start a brand new message in a brand new series called The Treasure Principle. And I'm excited, and i got to start by, by asking a question, or, or maybe just making a statement. Have, have, you, have you ever found, like, hidden treasure in your house? Like, like, say you're doing the laundry, and you pull the clothes out of the dryer, and there sits a $20 bill. Isn't that amazing? It's just awesome. And you know the rules. If you find it, it's yours. Unless, of course, that 20 was mine. Then that's mine, okay, Ava? So I'm just saying. So, But you find these unexpected treasures. When I was a kid, and we had just moved into, from the farm to town, in a town of 1,200 people in South Dakota, I remember finding a $5 bill. And as a kid, that was a whole lot of money. And I immediately took that $5 bill, and I ran uptown. We called it uptown. I don't know if that's a small town thing, is it? Or maybe we were just a little backwards. Could have been. So, But I went uptown. To, uh, there's two establishments that had arcade games in them. And one was the Corner Keg, and one was the Brewery. Great family establishments, great pizza. But they had arcade games, and I went into the Brewery, and these are classics, you guys, like Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, uh, Frogger. Uh, this day, I was playing one of my favorites. It was called Yee-R, Kung Fu. And I could never get by the last guy, so I'm still a little bit miffed about that, and I want another shot. But I, I, I lined up the quarters on the arcade game. And I'm telling you what, it, it might have been the best hour and a half of my life. It was absolutely amazing. Time after time, quarter after quarter, I blew through that $5. And the ironic thing is, the next day, my sister Celeste was like, I lost $5. And I was like, you did? And I was like, I can help you look for it. But I ain't going to look real hard, you know what I'm saying? Because anyway, so, but it was, I didn't have Jesus yet, so, you know, don't judge me. But she was her money, like, this might be the first time she's ever heard this. Last, I'm sorry, all right? I never did fess up, I don't believe. So, but hidden treasure. So, this series was inspired by a book that I read earlier this year called The Treasure Principle. So I totally just stole the title. God was okay with it. So, but I, I learned such amazing principles in the book. I knew I had to share something with you through the Word of God. And that's what's going to be happening over the next four weeks. And I, I, I think to really get into, before I get into the scripture, I'm going to give you one more little illustration. Pretend that you sold your home. And, and maybe you've done this. We have. Like, have, have you ever gone by your home after you sold it? 
It might be a week later, a month later, a year later. You want to go see if the new owners are doing it justice, you know. And you drive by, you're like, oh my gosh, they painted it that. Oh my gosh, where's my little tree that I planted in the, you know. It's just we pick it apart because they're not doing it the right way. But pretend you're driving by your old house and the neighbor sees you, the one, or not your neighbor, but the person you sold it to sees you and they stop you. And they're like, hey, hey, stop, come here, come here. I want to show you something about your old home. And you're like, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? This is a little bit weird. And he, and he takes you to the backyard. And, and he shows you uh, the tree that you had in the front has now been replaced in the back. And that's all wrong because he screwed that up. But, he, but, but what he says is, as I was digging to, to replant the tree that you worked so hard in the front yard, this is what I found. And he pulls out a shoebox full of cash. We're talking hundreds. And he says, this was there. This was in your yard. You lived there for 11 years. This was there the whole time. And my, I mean, my first thought is, I'll kill you. You know what I mean? No, I mean, that's just not a godly thought. But what, I mean, what are you thinking at that point? You're thinking, how, how, I was, this was underneath our nose the entire time. All that money and we had no idea. That, like, no one wants to leave treasure behind. No one wants to leave something good behind. I contend to you today that there's buried treasure everywhere. Not just in backyards, but I'm talking right in front of you today. And, and, and I may not be talking about a shoebox of money, but I, I'm telling you, there are things that God has placed around us, beside us, in front of us, behind us, and we miss it a lot of times. I don't want to miss it, and I don't want you to miss it either. That's what today is specifically about. Buried treasure. Jesus, the, scholars believe one of the first times Jesus ever spoke to a crowd was what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really a sermon dedicated to the disciples. The crowds were pressing in and they were hearing it too. But Jesus was preaching. And in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus would start with the, what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who this, blessed are those who that. And then he closes it out talking a lot about eternity and things like that. But in the dead center of the message, this, this, this is at the heart. He says this in Matthew 6. 19 through 21. The Sermon on the Mount is probably about Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, roughly. So right in the center, Jesus says, don't store up your treasure in heaven. Or excuse me, no, I'm sorry. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. Where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure in heaven where moths and rust can't get to it. Thieves can't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. You maybe, if you grew up in church, you've heard that scripture. But have you ever thought to yourself, this is the question I had. What do you mean, Jesus? Store up treasure in heaven. Like, he's, he's giving us, he's telling us what to do. My question is, wow, how do you do that? What does that look like? How do you, so I think for the, to really answer that question, we first have to understand heaven. Don't we? I mean, number one, heaven is a real place. Maybe you're, you're, maybe you're not a believer. Or you don't know about eternity. I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad you're here. But I'm telling you, as you get in the word, you'll know that both heaven and hell are very real places. And, and, and heaven isn't some abstract, maybe you've seen movies or, or you've heard articles or stories about it's just some floating universe in the sky and it's just, you know, we're all just kind of floating around orbs and playing the harp and worshiping God and, and we, will, we will worship God. That is definitely a part of heaven. But we will also laugh together. We will play together. We'll work together. We will eat together. 
Ice cream galore, I'm telling you. Calorie free. I'm craving colds. Yes. Jesus, you're so good to us. We will drink together. Yeah, drink, drink. No, I didn't say that. I just said we're going to be having drinks together. Anyway, so, but we're going to, we will celebrate together in a very physical, as very physical people, in a very physical world. Understand that. The, we, we, we'll do another series someday about heaven and hell. And, and so you can get a true understanding that heaven isn't, heaven is a lot like earth without the stupid. Okay, that's what heaven is. So, I mean, heaven is amazing, but it's, it is so physical. When you read the word of God, it blows you away. And uh, so the treasures, so what it, the word treasure, what does that even mean? Like, if you really want to get biblical, let's do it. We're in, the, we're in church. The Greek for, for treasure, if you look it up for that scripture we read, is the word thesauros. Say thesauros. Thesauros. Thesauros, a deposit. Good and precious things collected and stored up or laid up in a treasury or as treasure. That is what the word means. That word thesauros is used multiple times in the word of God. Don't have time to show you all. I'll tell you one. Uh, when the wise men, you know this story, when the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh to little Jesus, remember that? So it says they, they, they laid treasure before him, and it was those things. That's, they laid thesauros before Jesus. By the way, Destry asked about Christmas trees, and I don't believe you either. How about Christmas lights? Who put their Christmas lights up? I know there's some of you. You can, I'm not even going to make fun of you. I'm not, yeah, there it was right there, Sam. Good job. So, he, that's, that's just getting after it early. So, what was I going to say about that? I even forgot now. Oh, yeah, the wise men. So, gosh, I won't go on too much of a tangent, but if you're putting out your nativity scene, do the wise men belong in the nativity scene? No. no. I mean, I'm not telling you you got to tear it down or burn it, but I'm okay if you do. It just, they don't. They don't come on the scene until two years after Jesus was born. I'm just trying to help us be biblical in church and at home. So, that's a rant. I'm done. So what are these treasures, Jesus? I'm not going to hound too much on what the treasures are. I trust God. Whatever treasures he has for us, they're good. They're amazing. You know, we'll touch on it a little bit because it's in the Bible about what they are. But I'm going to tell you something. This message isn't about like, oh, we're going to get all these treasures and rewards. That's awesome. I want you to know how to store them up and the impact that you're making when you do store them up. Because it is phenomenal. It'll be, it's so amazing. But, but let's go there for a second. What are the treasures? What are the treasures, God? In, in the book, I loved how Randy Alcorn broke it down. And I, I, I'm on board with what he said. He said there's really three overarching treasures for a follower of Jesus. The first and greatest treasure is Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. This is your greatest gift you could ever be given. Maybe you haven't even received it or taken him in yet. Whew. I'm glad you're here. This is a big day for you as you hear the gospel and the good news of Christ. Jesus, the person of Jesus, is our greatest treasure. The place of heaven is our second greatest treasure, he would say in the book. And personal, individual rewards are our third greatest treasure. And they're very real. And, they're, 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 it, and that's what we're going to look at a little bit today. But understand the hierarchy, the person of Jesus, the place of heaven, the personal rewards. And the personal rewards are talked about a lot. Like Jesus talks about thesauros, many different places. Um, there's, also, there's also like 
the Bible talks about different crowns, like five different crowns that you could be awarded or given as a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? And, and many, many scholars would believe that these crowns are representing authority, like in heaven, like different, I don't know if you call it ranks or different things that you'll be doing, because you'll be doing stuff in heaven. It's not, again, it's not just like, uh, no, it's, it's different than that. So, um, but there's different authorities this could denote, the, the crowns. I'm going to touch on where the crowns are located. Um, you got to be quick or you, or you have to just go back and listen to the message. I don't even know if I put these on the screen. I don't think I did. But you can, you can, you can read about them and learn about them. 1 Corinthians 9.25. 2 Timothy 4.8. James 1.12. 1 Peter 5.4. Revelation 2.10. In just that little smattering I gave you, you will learn about different crowns and different things. Uh, so what am I trying to say here? And that's enough of that. Heaven is going to be amazing regardless. I mean, it's going to be amazing for everybody. It just won't be the same for everybody. Does that make sense? Heaven is going to be amazing. You're not going to complain. But it won't be the same. It's like, uh, it's like getting a ticket to the Super Bowl, Todd. You get a ticket to the Super Bowl, that's a big deal. That's a once-in-a-lifetime event. It's like, wow, I got a ticket to get into like, this huge event. Regardless of where you're seated or where you're seated or where you're at, it's going to be amazing. You're not going to complain. But it is going to be different. Like depending on your perspective or, or what you get to eat or where you're at or where you're any. So it's a different experience. But it's an amazing experience. And anytime, like you talk about the Super Bowl and you're talking about God, we contend that in the Super Bowl is the Dallas Cowboys, right? Because they are God's team. I'm just, that's just biblical. It's somewhere in the back. But anyway, so it's there. Uh, I can't believe you weren't cheering and just, I, I don't know, this church needs Jesus. But anyway, so, the, so do you understand what I'm saying? Heaven is amazing for everybody. It's just not the same for everybody. I love 1 Corinthians 2.9. Take this in about heaven and what the word says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can fathom, can even imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. This is eternity for believers in Christ. We can't fathom it. So what are the treasures? There's a little snapshot, but that's not the focus of the message. I want to focus on what is the process of storing them up and what does that do this side of heaven on earth? How do we store them up? Again, the author of the book, he, he talks about transferring them it, it, the way he put it. And it was kind of a unique way to look at it. He said this, if I can find, oh, he said, when we die, earthly treasure will no longer be ours, right? We're dead. But treasures we've transferred or stored up in heaven will remain ours forever. It's an interesting way to look at it. So how do we store up the rewards? Uh, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. And what God has prepared for, for us and the gifts that he has for you and for, for me, it's incredible. But you can store them up. And, and not because, oh, I'm going to get rewards, but because of the impact that you're making. Don't miss it. So I'm going to go through a list here again of ways that you store up treasure in heaven. Number one, by doing good works. When you do good works, you are storing up treasure for yourself in heaven. Ephesians 6, 8, Romans 2, 6, and Romans 2, 10 show you this. You should go to any of these scriptures this week. I, I, I'm challenging you to do that, to learn more about what we're talking about. 
But when you do good things, you're storing up treasure. When you persevere under persecution, you're storing up treasure in heaven. In other words, when you don't give up. When you're in a battle and you're in a fight, and the battle or fight that you're in is for God, like there's godly principles. When you're standing up for the word of God, when you're standing up to to love God and love others, when you're standing up to live out your God-given purpose, when you do those things, I promise you, when you do those things, you'll be persecuted. And if you're not getting persecuted at all, you're probably not doing those things because it comes with the territory. The word of God says when you don't give up, when you keep going in the fight, in the battle, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the persecution, you're storing up treasure in heaven. That's Luke 6, 22 and 23. When you show compassion for the needy, Luke 14, 13 and 14. When you show compassion for the needy, you're storing up treasure in heaven. After this service, when you go out to the table and you take a child or two from Priority Family Services... You know, kids that are living in foster homes, something many of us never had to experience. Some of us did, though. And I bet if you did, I bet you're probably the first one to run out there and grab a sheet. When you do that after the service, you're storing up treasure for yourself in heaven. Because you're loving somebody, and you're making sure that this this kid or these children have a Christmas where they get gifts. And they get to open them, and they get to experience the joy that many of us get to experience not having to worry about who's going to get it for us. When you show compassion to the needy, you're storing up treasure in heaven. When you treat your enemies kindly, this is a tough one. I bet this is a double blessing from God because this ain't easy, right? When you treat your enemies kindly, when you love somebody that you don't even like, dude, you're storing up treasures. Luke 6.35 talks more about that. And last but not least, first expectations, 5.17, when you send your pastor and his family to Hawaii for a month, you are storing up, come on, some. Okay, maybe that's just me. First expectations, you gotta like that, though. I made that one up. So um, that's not in the Bible, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. So just saying, uh, when you, minus that one, when you do those things, you're storing up treasure. You don't do them because you're going to get treasure. You do them because the love of the Father's in you. I'm just telling you, there's, there's perks to knowing Jesus. There's benefits to knowing the one who provides all. There, there, if, and if we could see or even get a glimpse of what God had, well, second, 1 Corinthians 9 showed us, we wouldn't even be able to fathom what God has waiting for us. But of all those that I just read, the good works, the compassion, the persevering and persecution, There's one method, there's one transfer way that's repeated more than anything else. It's not repeated just one verse or two verses. It's repeated like, it's repeated by Christ over and over. It's repeated by Paul over and over. Over and over. There's a few, I'll give you a few. Matthew 6, we read today. Matthew 19 talks about it. Mark 10 talks about it. Luke 12 talks about it. 1 Timothy 6 talks about it. They all confirm the same thing. Storing up treasure in heaven means giving to kingdom causes on earth. It's the number one way to store up treasure is to give to kingdom causes this side of heaven while you still have a chance to make a kingdom impact before God calls us home. It is unbelievable. And I, wanna ju- I don't want to just tell you that. I want to show you that in the word of God. We, we looked at Matthew 6, but let's look at Matthew 19, 21. The, there's a guy that he's called the rich young ruler. And he's like, Jesus, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus goes through some commandments with him and making sure he obeys. And then Jesus lays this on him. You know, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your stuff. Give your money, money to the poor. 
Then you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Unfortunately, the guy turned down the offer because he wanted to store up treasures on earth more than he wanted to store them up in heaven. So that's a tragic thing, but it's not, it's not an uncommon thing. In fact, it's the common thing. That is the common theme because we, we don't understand that heaven is such a real, tangible, beautiful place that is so much like earth, it'll blow you away. If, if you knew how incredible, if we knew how incredible. So that's Matthew 19, 21. You only have to go a few verses later, and then Jesus hits it again in 29. And everyone, say everyone, everyone, everyone who has given up houses, tangible things, brothers, sisters, father, mother, or children, or property, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. See, some are going to argue and say, oh, no, no, the treasure that they're talking about in heaven, the thesaros, well, that's heaven. And, and, and Jesus just said, no. That, that, the place of heaven is a treasure, yes. The person of Jesus is a treasure, yes. But personal rewards are separate. They're not the same thing. And we, we just read it right there. I'll say it again. A hundred times as much will inherit, a hundred times as much in return, and eternal life. Separate. By the way, a hundred times, that is a 10,000% return on investment. Warren Buffett, you're good, but you ain't that good. You know what I'm saying? 10,000% return. That's awesome. By the way, Warren, if this message ever reaches you, you're in our backyard, dude, 93 years old. If you have not given your life to Christ yet, it is time, my friend. 1 Timothy 6, 18, 19, Paul's now speaking, this church planter, he's writing a letter to his protege, Timothy, and this is for churches that they're, they're leading and planting. Timothy, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. That's going to get them rewards too. They should be generous with those in need. There's more. And they'll always be ready to share with others. Here it comes. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. It's so amazing. This last week, the, the social media team, they're so amazing. They'll, they'll sometimes go back in our archives and put out clips uh, to share. And the one they put out Friday, God's timing is so nuts. They put out the exact clip of what I was going to say next. So it's like prophecy or something. But I'm going to say it anyway because I've said it before, but you can't hear it too much. In Matthew 6, why does Jesus tell us not to store up treasure on earth? Is it because your money's bad? Because your good job that takes care of you is bad? Your family vacation is bad? Your nice pickup is bad? You know, your, your, your lake home is bad? No. He didn't say any of that. He says nothing about it being bad. All he says is it won't last. That's all he's saying. So the stuff isn't bad as long as your stuff doesn't have you, right? We get so worked up about, oh, we got to... Jesus is the one who gives it all. It won't last. This, this is why I believe one of the reasons Jesus talked about giving more than any other subject. Why? Because he wants us to know that worldly wealth is fleeting. Right? Worldly wealth is temporal. But kingdom treasures are eternal. They last forever. This is such beautiful words from Jesus and Paul. I love it so much. 
God wants you to enjoy his blessings. Don't apologize for enjoying the blessings that God gives you. But he does want you to see through the lens of eternity, not just the temporal. That's what this message is all about. God wants you to hold loosely the things that he provides. That's what I believe he wants. Because he'll give to you, and yeah, some of it's for you and your family and that, and that's all good. But, 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 but much of the blessings he wants to use in you and then flow through you. And when, when I understand and when you understand that everything that I've been given by God, whatever things, whatever stuff, whatever money, anything that I get that's good, that job that you got, that you begged for, that you wanted and you got, you don't think that's ultimately the hand of God? God, he, hold loosely. And when you, when you walk open-handed like this, it'll change your life. Oh, it takes pressure off. It's like, a, it's like, it's like me and golf balls. You're like, what? Bear with me. So it's like me and golf balls. Every year, my, my, my friends and I get together. I've shared this before, that we will go golfing together. And every year, you know, you know what they bring, Monty? They bring me two, like, Ziploc bags full of golf balls. These are their rejects, you know. Instead of Pro V1s, maybe they're Pro V2s, if that is, is even a thing. I don't know. But they'll bring me, like, they like the $5 balls, and I like, you know, if it's free, it's for me. So they will just load me up. You know, because they know I'm probably going to lose a few more. I'm a level or two underneath them or, or 10, but whatever. So it don't matter. But they, they bring me these, these bags. So, so understand something. When we're golfing and they lose that $5 Pro V1, it's a big deal. Like we'll, we'll drive over there and we'll be like looking for it. And they're searching for it. And it's been two minutes and three minutes. And we're pretty soon they're on the ground like rolling around trying to see if they can feel it. And still nothing. That wasn't even planned. That was just God right there. But, uh, you know, we, uh, but they, will, they will search and search for their ball. Me? When I, when I shank one in the trees, I'm like, yeah, drive me up over in the area. I'm not even getting out of the car. And I'm like, yeah, I don't see it. They're like, you ain't even going to look for it? I said, no, nah, I'm just going to throw down. They're like, you're not even getting out of the car. I said, yeah, I got more. Or you'll give me more. It don't matter. You know, it just don't matter. Because, because I have an infinite supply. You get it, right? God has an infinite supply. When we learn to trust him, and he sees that it flows through us, it's a game changer. In the book, it said this, and I really like this. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Isn't that cool? You can't take it with you, but you can send it all on ahead. Not because you want that, but because it's, it's, it's what storing it up does on earth in the lives of other people. And if there's anything I want you to take away for sure, it's this next point. Because this is the crux of the message. I don't have, yes, the, as you store up treasure in heaven, you're making a kingdom impact on earth. As you store up treasure in heaven, as you persevere, as you do good works, as you show compassion, as you love your enemies... As you, as you give back to God whatever he's given to you, as you trust God in the area of whatever giving capacity you're talking about, you store up treasure in heaven, but the bigger thing is you're making an impact in the lives of people today. So this is fleshed out. I'll, I'll give you a few more verses. It's fleshed out as Paul's planting churches. Paul and Timothy, Barnabas, Cyrus, you, you read about these people that were the first lead, Peter, uh, James, and John. They were part of the church planting network. 
that, that started planting churches because Jesus said, go plant the church, I'll build it. You go start them. You know, tell them about me and I'll build the church. The gates of hell don't stand a chance. That was his plan. Still is today, 2,000 years later. So, so listen to what Paul writes. This is so insane. Paul's writing to a church in Philippi, right? A church that he helped start. Now, he's writing from uh, uh, Rome, from jail, you know? So he's writing a letter in jail, sent, making sure that it gets to Philippi. Listen to what he says. Philippians 4, 15. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. You did it. You helped me spread the good news. You helped people become saved. You helped make an impact in people's lives forever. You stored up treasure in heaven. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't, and then this is it. This is what really gets me. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, because I want money from you. I don't say it because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward. I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Paul knew about rewards. Paul knew this was a thing. And Paul, in fact, another translation, I love how it says it. Paul says, I want to see that credited to your account. So, it's all over God's word. And Philippians, do you know what they're known for? The book is known for, even though Paul wrote it in, in jail to the Philippians, even though Philippians, you would think they'd be poor because they gave so much away. They weren't. They were rich. It was known as a book of joy. That's what it's known for. Giving. Giving is a joyful response to a heart transformed by Jesus. Rather than seeing it as something that we have to do, we see it as a gift, as an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God, right? We can't keep it with us, but we can send it ahead. We can go and send it ahead. This is, this is so powerful. Change directions for a second. How many here are, are fans of the sitcom Friends? Anybody? Watch Friends? Yeah. A lot of us watched it growing up. A lot of us still watch it. You know, of course, Matthew Perry passing away a couple weeks ago. Tragic, young, 54 years old. And anytime a celebrity or a big name passes away, I'm just telling you my, my head. It's scary, so hold on. But anytime that happens, I immediately think, I wonder if they're in heaven. Like, I immediately because it's not easy for someone who has a lot to surrender that. The rich young ruler, Jesus says, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle because they hold on to things so they don't have to hold on to Jesus. So I, 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 so I looked up Matthew Perry a little bit and learned a little bit about him. And maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But three weeks before he was cast for friends, he prayed for the first time in his life. Ever. No doubt, it was amazing. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and it gets better. He prays for the first time in his life, kneels down, he said, in his little tiny little one, probably bedroom apartment, one room apartment maybe, and he prays. Now his prayer was shallow, I'll, I'll warn you, and he would say the same thing later. But his prayer, God, you can do whatever you want, I just want to be famous. That was his prayer. Now, now, he definitely became famous. He, he, 
like I said, he was cast for Friends. You know he's made more money, I mean, million dollars an episode later uh, in, their, in their seasons. Um, more celebrity, more money, more fame, more fortune than anybody could even handle. And he had it all. And, and I don't even judge his prayer. We've all prayed those prayers, let's be honest. Maybe not like that, but we've all prayed for increase. We've all prayed for God to bless us in ways that are maybe even above what we can handle or above what is even necessary. We've all, we, if, we, if you had a chance to be signed for friends and you knew it was going to catapult to where it did, you ain't turning that down probably. Not at that age, not at that young age and where he was in life and where he was with even God. Which So he prays that prayer. So it's crazy his life. He, he went to rehab 14 times, this article said. So 14 stints in rehab while he's living out the dream. On friends. 15 stomach surgeries because of the drug addiction ruined his gut. All the while, living out his dream. The prayer that was seemingly answered by God. He wrote an autobiography in 2022. So this is recent, last year. He revealed his lowest point. And he turned to God in desperation. Have you been there? I have driving a car dead on the inside. He turned to God in desperation. This was his quote. God, please help me. I think that's the most powerful prayer you can pray. Hands down. God, please help me. Show me that you are here. Following the prayer, he describes having an encounter with the presence of God, which caused him to weep uncontrollably. I wasn't crying because I was sad, Matthew said. I was crying because for the first time in my life, don't miss this, I felt okay. I felt safe. I felt taken care of. So, so what you just said is... With all that fame and all that fortune that we can't even, it's so much, it's so much. You didn't feel okay and you didn't feel taken care of. You didn't even feel safe. That's what he said. God had to show me a sliver of what life could be. He saved my life that day. And for all days, no matter what, he had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. He goes on to say that my greatest achievement wasn't friends. He said my greatest achievement, don't miss this church, was giving back. That's what he said. Do you know what he did? He started sober homes. Multiple sober homes where people, Hollywood types and others would get clean and sober, even though maybe Matthew couldn't quite get over the hump himself. Isn't it funny how he wanted to just give it away for others? My greatest achievement wasn't friends, it was giving back. I'm telling you, at the end of our lives, the only regret we're going to have is what we held back. Don't wait. Don't wait to send the text. Don't wait to make the call. Don't wait to make amends. Don't wait to extend a hand. Don't wait to send the flowers. Don't wait to store up treasure in heaven because you're making a kingdom impact on earth. Don't wait anymore. Wouldn't you say, Todd? Don't wait. 
Do it now. Do it now. It isn't about the treasure you're going to get, you will, and it'll be great. It's about the impact that you're going to make in the lives of people. The one for one is that. We don't want to wait. Every month we're going to add them up. You're going to nominate people on the website. We're going to give money away. In fact, i got to read the story quick. Last month's winner. Just want to make an impact. Just want to love people. And generosity is one of the most tangible, physical ways to do it. Jesus knew it. Paul knew it. The gentleman who attends Meadows writes, I have a co-worker who I work closely to. He's a husband and father to three kids and one more on the way. He's the sole financial provider working two full-time jobs to provide for his family. I've seen that he's been struggling financially and emotionally with all the responsibility and recently has had a lot of stress related to family past and present issues. His three-year-old daughter has leukemia. And this has posed many challenges financially and with everyday life. He's expressed not having a lot of friends or support and their families are out of the state. I'd love to see Meadows bless his family with some help and hope that others care and that there's a possibility of community near him loving him. He's never spoke of faith or having it on his own, but I'd love to plant seeds of faith in his life and at the same time ease their financial stress. We couldn't agree more. That's why he'll be giving them a check for $1,035. It ain't much, but it's something. It's something. Your investment matters. Your giving matters. The gospel is all about giving. I love doing this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Yes and yes. God gave. It's all he does. That infinite supply will always be infinite because he's an infinite God with infinite love, infinite care, infinite grace, infinite mercy. And we definitely need it. For those of you that you're feeling dead on the inside, maybe you've gotten off track, maybe you need to get back on track with the Lord, and you're living in a way apart from here that you know doesn't honor God, thank you for being here. This is your family, no doubt. Because there's days I live in a way that I would be embarrassed if you saw it. And I don't like those days, and I don't like those moments, but I have them sometimes, and I just need to get back to God. I need to get back to on my knees. I need to get back and just tell him I'm sorry. And maybe this is your day. You need to get back to God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him, in Jesus, won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. See, death and hell, they're the same thing. Only you're alive in hell, and you don't want to be. Heaven is a ticket that you, Jesus is the treasure that you, that's the one I need you to focus on. Because when you have Jesus, so how do you get him? I always say I used to think it was being good. 
doing the right thing. And those are byproducts of having Jesus in you. Because I could never do it. And, I, I, and my heart wasn't right. And maybe yours isn't either. But today, by the power of the King of kings and Lord of lords, I pray that you will know that Jesus Christ is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That he loves you right where you're at. Your, your dirty self, your messed up self, your jacked up life. He loves you. He don't, he don't probably like some of the things you're doing, just like he don't like some of the things I'm doing. But that's why he sent Jesus. To cover that, to take that away, that sin. Because if you die with that sin on your soul, hell is your home. And God don't want that. That's why he sacrificed his son. Because only perfect people get into heaven. And right there you're like, I'm screwed. Yep, me too. But here's the thing. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you're there at the judgment, you know what Christ sees? He sees the Holy Spirit in you. says, that's perfect. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is heaven. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't care how good you are, how many good works you've done, it, you don't go to heaven. And I love you so much, I want to tell you the truth. Surrender your life to Christ. Call on the name of Jesus. Ask him to save you and set you free. Whether you've done it before and now you're wayward, or this is the first time you've truly done it. Repent of your sin, turn of your sin, turn to God. His Holy Spirit will help you. You can't do it by yourself. People are like, why do I keep doing it? Why do I keep talking that way? Why do I keep hating that way? Why do I keep gossiping? Why do I keep... Because you need a heart transformation. It starts at the heart. Surrender your life to Christ. Call on the name of Jesus. Ask him to forgive you and set you free. And he'll do it today. But hearts transformed by Christ and by the grace of God... They're different. Hearts like that trust God more. Why, why can't I give? Why is it so hard? You just need to learn to trust God more. And the more Christ is in you, the more you trust him. You will trust God more. You will love God more. You will love others more. You will give away more. Not because you get something, but because in Christ, you've received the greatest gift you could ever be given. New life in Christ. Today, tomorrow, and forever. I need you to shout louder than that, somebody. The news is too good. Gosh, he's too good. One more scripture, and then I'm done. So good. One day he's coming back, and if somebody tells you they know when, run. They don't know, because Jesus don't even know that. But I do know what'll happen. Are we in the end times? Well, we're a day closer than we were yesterday. Yes. Matthew sixteen twenty seven, for the Son of Man will come in all His glory. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with the angels. Oh man, and then. He will reward. It's all over the word of God when you see it. He will reward. He will reward each according to what they do. Now, now make no mistake. You can't do anything to get into heaven. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. You, you have to just receive it. And say yes to it by the grace of God. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead woman. I need revival. I need a heart transplant. You do that, and you call on his name that saves you. But, but when Christ comes back, 
he, first of all, he's looking who has the Holy Spirit, right? They're coming with him. And then he's going to reward you individually. And that will be awesome. And it's going to be great. I just need you to know that this world is not your home. I doubt Matthew Perry thought he was going to die at 54. I don't think he thought that was going to happen that day. In fact, the article said the day before he was laughing and having fun with friends. I pray that the new first-time guests will fill out a card and turn it into guest services today for a gift. I pray that if, this, if Meadows Church is your home, that you will want to do this Christmas outreach as a family and that you will run to the table and grab foster children to love and buy gifts for. The instructions are all there. I pray that whatever God is laying on your heart through this message, that you'll do it. I don't know what that's going to be. I gave you so much scripture today. You've been spiritually fed, I hope, for this, this moment. But, but, but being spiritually fed and doing nothing with it is worthless. It's worthless. If you don't act on it. Good works. Maybe you're going to start serving on a dream team like Rachel talked about. Or maybe, and most importantly, you will fall, fall at the feet of Christ today. Sell out. And give him full reign of your life. If you do, your life will hold on. You're in for a wild ride. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word and your truth. Man, to, to think there's bonuses beyond heaven, and that's awesome, and that's great, and you show us what those are going to be, and you, but more importantly, you tell us how we store them up. And God, we don't store them up because, oh yeah, we're going to get this, and we're going to get that. Those are a byproduct. We store them up because in the process, lives are being transformed. We are loving the least of these. We are loving our enemies. We are not giving up in the fight. We are doing good things. Oh, I guess what I could say, Jesus, is we're being you to a world that desperately needs you. And when we do that, you see that. I always tell my leaders, God, I tell them, reward what you want repeated. It's funny. I didn't re realize I was basically quoting you, God, but it's sure nice to know I was. That's what you want to do. You want us to repeat you over and over to a world that desperately needs you every day. And you say, I will reward you. I will bless you. And, and here's the thing, God. You'll bless us today and in heaven. Because that's who you, you are. You're an infinite God full of infinite glory and infinite gifts. And today we declare by the power and, and the declaration of Jesus Christ that this is your church and it always will be, Lord. Jesus is the center. He is the cornerstone. He is the head. We are the body. <laughs> A messed up one. But we are the body, God. Help the body follow the head of Christ and do what you call us to do, Father. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.